We look at that first stanza and contemplate the beautiful words of this text. Church of God, elect and glorious, holy nation, chosen race, called as God's own special people, royal priests and heirs of grace. Know the purpose of your calling. Show to all his mighty deeds. Tell of love that knows no limits, grace that meets all human needs. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today I take from these small little words that come from our gospel lesson. You know, with our year of the Bible readings, we get lucky enough to be able to have an Easter text when it's not even Easter. And these words are so important. This is the foundation of our faith. We should probably be reading them every Sunday. We read these words from John chapter 20. He saw and believed they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus needed to rise from the dead. I'm going to give you a basic outline to what it is that I want to say to you today. I want to first start off by talking about how it is that we come to believe and what role the Holy Scriptures play in that faith. I'd like to talk in the first place about how preparation for believing the Scriptures begins when it, and how it takes place. I'd like to talk then secondly about the problems that we are facing in our world today and how this is a challenge to that faith. And then thirdly, I'd like to talk a little bit about what it is that we as Christians should do about this difficulty. How did you come to believe? Do you know? Can you remember back when it is that you first came to the faith, for some people they came as adults. For other people it was from infancy, from childhood. I remember as a child growing up that this became a very much a part of our family life. Every single Sunday, didn't matter where we were, whether we were even on vacation, we went to church. We found ourselves uh, sitting at the supper table as my mother or my father would read devotions at nighttime, just Bible stories, and we would beg to hear another story. The fact of the matter is, is that it wasn't until later on in my life that I was actually led to really begin to understand and read the scriptures for myself. I had been in college, and college was coming to an end. I took a year off, tried to be able to kind of figure out what direction I was going. And I started to dabble and listen to all kinds of different religions. And one day my mother came to me and she said, that's fine, but now you need to read the Bible and let God have his way with you. So I started to read the Bible. And I read the Bible. And I read it intensively over a weekend. And there was a massive change that took place in my life. And I decided and knew at that moment, to the great shock of my parents, that I wanted to become a pastor. And here I am, at least two or three years later, 
Yeah, how did we come to believe? It says that John believed without even knowing that this was true from the Scriptures. Jesus had told them, yes, it is true. He had told them over and over again that it was necessary for him to suffer and die and on the third day to be raised again. We wonder if John could believe without and apart from the Scriptures, what, is it, what role does the Scripture itself play in our lives? To begin with, of course, it tells us the fullness of everything that God has to say to us, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. The Scriptures are the Word of God speaking to us about every aspect of both faith and also life. But secondly, there's something there in the Scriptures that takes that faith that we have received from our parents and from our teachers and it makes it far more solid. As Peter says, we have the words of the prophets made more certain. In a sense, we've poured those words of God into concrete. Why? Because every Christian has to endure all the way through life in this faith until the day that Christ himself comes. And we need more than just what it is that our parents have taught us. We need to be able to speak and hear directly from the Word of God. Well, when, when did that preparation begin in our lives? The Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, says that he knew the Scriptures from infancy. When he was a baby, on the breast of his mother. Imagine what it is that she may have been saying. And we think that little children don't know, they can't believe, they can't understand. Why, we even have secular scientists today that are telling us that children are already learning language in the womb of their mothers. Take that baby and tell that little baby about Christ. I remember one time I was doing a summer vicarage in Idaho, and a lady came in with her little tiny baby. And I looked at the baby almost jokingly, and I said, Where's Jesus? And do you know that that little child turned to and pointed her finger at a picture of Jesus on the wall? Little children begin because they hear it from their parents. And then as they grow, they begin to test this, they begin to test what their parents have taught them. This, of course, is what it is that teachers do. Teachers take and interpret experiences for, their for these children. They give them an understanding of why they are experiencing certain things that they're experiencing, especially as they grow in years and they begin to have these sinful desires and thoughts. Teacher helps them to understand where that is coming from. They expand and give background knowledge to an understanding of these texts, of the history and the culture and the times and the people. A teacher is one who challenges us to explore, to understand those rich mysteries, to understand human nature, to understand how things work in life. And what they then do is they take what we have taught them and through experience they put them to the test. What is the problem 
today, especially, I think, in our culture? Well, to begin with, who is teaching our children? We now know that children are averaging about four hours a day in television, especially even the younger ones. Four hours a day. Imagine what would happen if we taught our kids for four hours a day about what the Scripture teaches. Our educational institutions, especially those of higher education, are not only, I guess you might say, ignoring Christianity. In many respects, they are opposed to Christianity. It becomes kind of a, a neutral ground where it's everything but. Church attendance, Sunday school attendance, these things are very much on the decline as both entertainment as becoming, well, you might say, the great national pastime. We're spending more time in entertainment than we are spending reading or studying the scriptures. The culture has a lot of ironies to it. We are now living in an era and a time when enormous amounts of information are available to us especially by means of the internet. And what is strange is that in the educational institutions our teachers are telling us that students are getting, quite frankly, dumber. They don't know backgrounds, they don't know history, they don't know context, they don't know language, they don't know figures of speech, they don't know a lot of the things that your and my great-grandparents probably knew even with their eighth grade education. And why do you suppose that is? Inherent and built into that lack of knowledge, there is, of course, a lack of Christian confession. We have allowed this culture of ours to bully us into a corner, making us feel as though we're the odd people out if we stand either on social moral issues or especially if we make a confession and stand as a Christian inside of the world in which we live. What is this doing, therefore, to our faith? Consider what it is that is at stake here, not just for us, but for future generations. I met last week, two weeks ago, with a former member of ours who brought along a picture, because they had had a class reunion back in Minnesota, a picture of the confirmation class uh, that she graduated with back in the days, of course, with a, a lot of kids who were born after the war probably 60 kids in her confirmation class. I asked, how many of them today do you suppose are faithful Lutheran attenders? She said, somewhere around eight or nine. What is happening when we consider what is at stake? What is at stake is what it is that those apostles saw on that day when they arrived at that tomb. Jesus was alive there's a portal, a way whereby we can go through death into everlasting life. And consider how it is that we want to give that to our children and to our grandchildren and to our great-grandchildren and to our great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren so that they too might share with us in eternal life. Consider what is lost if parents or even grandparents forfeit this religious instruction and hand it back over to the world? 
consider how the Bible has come to be of so little value to this world. A Bible that is far more profound than even Shakespeare. For it grasps and it gives to us the mysteries of life. It opens up our eyes to understand the difference between good and bad, between evil and that which is truly righteous and pure. Consider how it is that the heart of every Christian needs to be so firmly entrenched in faith. I had a wonderful little girl, had been a little girl, a confirmation student of mine, who wrote to me last night. She has two small children, and she has cancer, and she has to say goodbye to them, and she is questioning God's goodness. We need to go to the Scriptures for that kind of faith, to stand firm and to know that God's love can never be taken from us. Yeah. Well, what are we to do? I think what we need to do to begin with is we need to put ourselves for a moment into that wonderful mind and heart of John and Peter and see how it is that that day changed their lives. To run to a tomb and there is Christ who has been mauled and crucified and beaten with crowns of thorns upon his head. And there is a victory of God, not just for Jesus, but for every single Christian. There for us is the one who has not, he's not going to be the one who is going to do something about our salvation. He is the one who has done our salvation. It's all been done for us. Everything that we need for life and salvation has been accomplished for us. And when that tomb was opened and Christ came back from the dead, eternal life became ours. That's what Peter said. Imagine that sermon of his as he stood up there and proclaimed, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to as many who are as far off as the Lord our God will call. Consider what it is that John said and his gospel at the end. These things are written that you may believe, and that believing you might have life in his name. Then I ask you to do this. As you bask in the wonders and the glory of that great and marvelous day, ask yourself what it is that you would be willing to forfeit or to give up in this life in order to obtain that life and that faith. Just like those questions on freedom, give me liberty or give me death, what are we willing to give up in our lives in order that we might possess this faith, this hope, this everlasting life that has been given to us so richly in Christ? Well, then we have to ask ourselves this. Lord, not ourselves. We ask our Lord this. Lord, prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts so that we hear that testimony of Scripture and it speaks to us and gives to us a firm and solid faith all the way to the day that we enter paradise ourselves. And zealously, 
zealously teach our children. Zealously, zealously worship God, not just with our bodies or with our voices, but with our hearts. And zealously, zealously exhort and encourage one another as we see that day drawing near, as the Scriptures say, exhorting each other to remain firm in this faith and to never let it be taken from us. And let us zealously pray for this world in which we live and for the people that are so near and dear to us and even if need be for our enemies. And then point. Point every heart to the Scriptures so that what we say is not all that is said, but what we say is something that they can find for themselves and upon which they can build a foundation of faith that will endure until the end of time. So study. Study the Word of God for yourself and become people of God, elect and glorious. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.